Hi, everyone. My name is Jean, food addict in Florida. Uh, some of you may have heard me a couple of weeks ago also. If so, I apologize if I repeat anything. I have been in the OA program since July of 2004. So God willing, uh, come July 18th of this year, I will have 19 years of back-to-back abstinence. I do qualify to be on this meeting because when I came into program, I weighed close to 250 pounds, and now about half that. Uh, I have been, my weight range is between 120 and 125 pounds. And I am happy that I'm in this program because it has done a lot for me, not just in terms of you know, the physical weight loss and so forth. I mean, I'm basically about the size that I was back when I was in college. And I have some old clothes, you know, that I had saved, and they fit. You know, and I mean, that that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, but the one thing that I know that this program has really done for me is taken away a lot of my worry. I used to be someone who was a world-class warrior. I'd worry about things I had absolutely no control over. Um, I grew up in Massachusetts, and that's where I found uh, the OA program. And, um, of course, if you're familiar at all with northern climate, you know that in the wintertime there's snow. And I used to worry because, well, you know, I, I don't drive. And so I always lived places where I was taking public transportation to get to work. And I would worry, you know, if I heard forecast that, yes, you know, there's going to be snow tonight or there's going to be a blizzard tomorrow, something like that. And it was like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Am I going to be able to get to work and so on and so forth? And, well, what I've learned is that, you know, whether it snows or it doesn't snow is not under my control. If there's work tomorrow or there's no work tomorrow, that's also not under my control. I mean, there was one day when actually I came into work and another coworker was there as well. And we looked at our phones on our desks and there was a message saying that uh, work had been called off for the day. <laughs> and uh, of course, I had left home. In those days, I don't think I had a cell phone. And, you know, I had, I had left home to go to nice and early so I could get to work on time, the snow. And I get to work and find... There's a message on the phone, a message on the email saying, hey, uh, you know, work's been called off for today because of the storm. So the other coworker and I said, okay, I guess we get to go home. So we went home. But uh, but that's, that's, what, that's what happens, you know. And I've found that by putting trust in my higher power, who I call God, I don't have to worry about things that I will be, I will be taken care of. That nothing, you know, nothing horrible is going to happen, and that's that's a good that's a good thing. I mean, um, I'm a breast cancer survivor, and I think that that was kind of a god thing also, because I had been laid off from a job, but I still had some health benefits, and I went to my doctor's office for a checkup, and the doctor said to me, "Gee, you know, it's been two years since you've had a mammogram. Why don't you go get a mammogram?" I went and got a mammogram, and they told me they saw something on the mammogram. It was very small. 
I was able to, uh, you know, have surgery. And then I had surgery on the other side as well eventually. I also had a hysterectomy. Uh, and, you know, all of these things, because in those days that was when I was heavy. And I had been to see the oncology nurse when I was having radiation. And she looked at me and she said to me, did you realize that one side of your stomach is bigger than the other? And I said, no, I just assumed I was fat. And she said, no, she said, most people who are fat, they're symmetrical and you're not. And uh, sent me for a scan and it turned out I also had a giant fibroid. So after I finished the radiation treatment, I went and had a hysterectomy and they got rid of all of that. And if that hadn't been done, then, you know, who knows, I might not be here today. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful, you know, that I've survived. Now, of course, having all that surgery, did it make me think that I wanted to lose weight? No, I continued to eat the way I was eating. Um, I was not, I was not an overeater as a child. I ate when I got into the work world, and things got to me a little bit in terms of stress. If I felt nervous about something, or you know, I wasn't quite sure what to do, I would say, "Okay, I'm going to take a break and go to the snack machine and get something." And I found that eating, the act of eating something didn't necessarily calm my nerves down, but it took me away from my desk. And that gave me a chance to uh, think a little bit and say, oh, wait a minute, I remember how to do that now. And then I'd go back to my desk and do whatever it was my boss wanted me to do. And so by, uh, by having my faith in my higher power, I was able to get my work done, support myself, and, uh, you know, in general, even though, you know, as I say, I never tried dieting, I didn't think there was much point to it because I was a grazer, and so I was someone who, you know, as I heard someone else in program say one time, you know, they, when somebody asked her, uh, you know, how many meals a day did she eat, and she said, she ate one meal and it started when she got up in the morning and ended when she went to bed at night. I wasn't quite that much of it because I was not a night eater. But uh, I was, you know, I spent a lot of my work day, you know, with I was in a job where I could, uh, you know, eat at my desk and I did. So that was, you know, that was how I, I got through my work stress. But once I got home, I would have my dinner, and that would be it. But I've lived a reasonable life. And as I say, once I came into program, I found that there was a place for me. That, as you know, you know, meetings always need people. I'm sure this meeting needs people as well. That if you have people to do service, it helps make things run a lot smoother and I was in what was called the 90-day program uh, where the suggestion was that you not have not that you needed to have 90 days of abstinence in order to share and they also had you know certain uh, abstinence requirements for people to hold service positions and so I decided a neighbor of mine had introduced me to program and I decided that, okay, I want to do this, and I got rid of all the junk food in the house, and I 
on a digital scale. I weighed and measured my food. I had a food plan. I had literature. I loved to read. When my friend told me that, yes, you know, bring money to you, this was back in the days when we had face-to-face meetings, uh, said, you know, I was gonna, she was going to take me to my first meeting, and she said, bring some extra money with you, not just for the seventh tradition, but so that you can buy some books and pamphlets. And, well, I love to read. didn't have to ask me twice about that. So I went to meeting, got books and pamphlets, started reading, got a sponsor, at least, well, it was a short-term sponsor initially, and then I got uh, the sponsor who took me through my first year of weight loss. And, uh, you know, after one or two, you know, days of false starts where I messed up a little bit, uh, after that, I was off and running. And uh, I, stuck, I stuck with the program. I found a number of uh, meetings to go to. One of them was one that was actually in the city that I lived in that I could get to on public transit. And that meeting had a food pantry. So I said, great, you know, uh, every week when I went to that meeting, I would bring them a bag of stuff from my house that I could no longer eat because I was on program. And so after a couple of weeks, I got rid of stuff that way. I was also working, and the place I was working at had a kitchen that, you know, people could use. And uh, so I brought in all of the uh, condiment-type stuff that I had in the refrigerator that I was no longer going to be using. I just marked it all, you know, free, take what you want, put it in the refrigerator at work, and people appreciated that. Uh, the place that I had that had the food pantry, uh I was also trying to get rid of, I used to do a lot of baking, so I had a lot of baking supplies. And, of course, these were things that were containers that were open, so I couldn't donate them to the food pantry. But I asked the lady at the church where the meeting was uh, if she knew anybody that could use any of that stuff. And she said, yeah, they had a group of church ladies that did that did bake sales. So I said, okay. So she said they would love anything I could bring over. So the next week. I brought over a bag of that stuff, and that's how I got rid of all of the uh, non-abstinent food out of the house. And I started out program as a vegetarian. I'm now a vegan because I was eating uh, a lot of dairy, and I found I was having some problems with that. So between doctor and nutritionist, we determined that I should uh, cut that out of my food plan. And with the help of my sponsor, I was able to craft a new, you know, new food plan that works for me and uh, doesn't have anything that I shouldn't be eating. And it's helped a great deal in terms of relieving uh, some issues that I had with things like like, uh, coughing and sneezing and post-nasal grip and stuff. I do still have some allergies and take some allergy medication, but it's a lot better than it used to be. And... I mentioned doing service. Um, I grew up doing a lot of service uh, from the time I was a child because my mother uh, used to volunteer for various charitable groups. And back in those days, they did house to house, you know, knocking on doors and collecting small donations from people. And when we were kids, we used to go around and help, help do those collections. So I got the idea that, yeah, you know, 
it's good to do things for other people to help them out. And um, any time I've been involved in a group, I've always, you know, volunteered to do something. So um, I've had dogs most of my adult lives, and I joined a uh, dog training club in the area that I lived in back in Massachusetts. And I started volunteering to help out there, doing different things. I would go to dog events and volunteer as a as a steward, someone who could assist the judge, that sort of thing. Um, I also helped out as their front desk person, and I eventually became their treasurer for a couple of a couple of terms. And they had term limits for people in office, so. Uh, when the time came for me to give that up, I did. And I went to a meeting the next day and was asked to become treasurer of the local intergroup. And when I said to them I didn't uh, meet the re abstinence requirement because I'd only been abstinent for two years, and they were saying that they wanted somebody with three years, and I said, well, that's why I hadn't said anything. And they said, nonsense, you know, we'll put you in. You've got the skills for it and uh we can uh, we can appoint you and then you know next year you'll be able to run you know legitimately with enough with enough abstinence so that's what i did and i did a couple of terms as their treasurer um and then uh i was ter again term limited so i stopped doing that i was doing other things as well i was part of part of the intergroup and I also was helping lead meetings, find speakers, uh, help set up the room, you know, that's kind of stuff. Anything, basically anything that somebody needed, I was taught. You know, if somebody says they need something, if it's something you can do, raise your hand. And that's that's what I would do. And I took that philosophy with me to work as well. And when I was working, I'm retired now, uh, one of the jobs that I worked at, um, our uh, company CEO would come and uh, give talks to us, and we had like this little auditorium, and I would always take a seat in the front row, and I'd have a notebook, and I would sit there and take notes about what he was talking about, so I could tell some of my other coworkers who didn't have a chance to go, and. Um, he would always at the end ask if anybody had any questions. And I always raised my hand and asked a question. And generally speaking, it was a good question. It was based on, you know, what he had been talking about, showed I'd paid attention. And so after a while, it became kind of a game. And uh, he would say, okay, Gene, you know, uh, I know you have a question for me. What is it? And actually one time he went to my boss and asked my boss, do you know what she's going to ask me this time? <laughs> he was a little concerned because uh, there was one time actually when he was talking about how, you know, prices on the health insurance had gone up and so forth and that they were going to be taking more, you know, deductions. Thank you Five minutes much. left. Thanks so much. That they were going to take uh, more money out of us, and we hadn't had a raise in a number of years. And so when the time came for questions, I raised my hand and I said, how is it that, you know, you're asking us to pay more and we're not, we haven't had a raise in years and, uh, you know, that it would be very helpful for people. 
to have that given the fact that, you know, the prices of everything had gone up. And um, he said, well, he said, you know, that's a good question. Let me take it to the board. And, you know, a couple weeks later, we got the announcement that we were getting raises. And, I mean, the people that I worked with looked at me like, wow, you know, uh, you know, they figured they wouldn't have had the nerve to ask them that. But I did because I felt it was something important and that I was able to do it and do it in a nice way, you know, be polite about it and stuff. And uh, but so, I mean, that's what I do is, you know, whenever I have the opportunity to do something to be of help, I step up. I mean, I was called this morning and asked, you know, if I could be your backup speaker tonight. And I said, yes, because that's what I've been trained to do. If somebody asks you to do something and you have the ability to do it, you do it. And so I hope that, you know, what I've said to you tonight maybe has resonated with somebody or maybe more than one of you because I do feel very strongly about this program. I know one of the things I had to do today was to uh, notify World Service that a meeting that I had been involved in was going to be closing. And it was closing because I was the only one doing service on it. Nobody else wanted to step up and do anything. And so, I mean, you know, it was a meeting on Sunday afternoons. And I was on the meeting this past Sunday. And for the first 10 or 15 minutes, I was the only person on the line. And, you know, when you call in and nobody's there, you hear that god-awful music. And there I was, you know, trying to read the steps and the traditions and everything like that over all this music before finally somebody else came on and that person said they really couldn't stay and and do anything. And there was a third person on who didn't say a word. And so I tried contacting some of the other folks who had been on the meeting previously to get a group conscience. And feeling was, yeah, you know, might be best just to close it. And so I contacted World Service today and told them that we were canceling the meeting and I got an email back a little later saying that yes, the cancellation had been approved. It's sad because the meeting's been around for a number of years, but you know, these things happen. And this is what happens if people don't support their meetings. So I would say, you know, if there's one thing that, you know, you want to think about is if there are meetings that you care about please step up and do service because whether you think you can do it well or badly or whatever, uh, the more you do, the more you'll find that it comes easier to you. I mean, I used to be a very shy person. I suppose in some respects I still am. But if I see something that needs doing, I step up and I do it. And because I say to myself, okay, you know, if I don't do it, what's going to happen? And sometimes the answer is, if you don't do it, nobody's going to do it. So I would rather not be that nobody. And I hope you don't as well. So with that, I will pass. And again, this is Jean, food addict in Florida, and I'll give my number off the tape. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak tonight.